The English Premier League may be back, but with a handful of exciting games from this past weekend, Major League Soccer has stepped it up. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarza. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, another weekend where uh, the summer is fat is disappearing quickly. Uh, but the good news is that European soccer is back is almost back in full swing and is giving everybody plenty to talk about. Yeah, all those people that were uh, singing Manchester United's praises during the preseason, man, amazing how they just went into their caves after week one, Ivis. It's uh, it's the week <laughs> one. I, I mean, know, we said. I know, I know. Uh, I mean, it, it's not, you know, it's not a great start, but uh, it is funny how, how people after one week will will get way too excited about wins and way too down about losses. But it, it's just the first week of the season. So I don't think anyone should be in panic mode just yet. It is kind of funny, though. It's just I, I, I just I love just how everyone's just so hot or cold with just, you know, one game here, one game there and everyone just loses it. But I mean, it's a full season, like you said, it goes till April. What, what could happen? But. Um, tons to talk about on today's show. Ivis, as we said, European soccer is back, so we'll talk a little bit about the Americans abroad. Seems like a handful of guys are injured, but we did see some uh, good performances from some 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 guys. Excuse me. So we'll talk about that. But uh, as we mentioned uh, this past weekend in Major League Soccer, w- what an outstanding weekend! Lots of exciting games. The first one, not the first one, but but the weekend kickoff on Saturday featured Real Salt Lake uh, hosting the Seattle Sounders. That game ended up in a two-one win. For RSL, they're now first in the Western Conference, and uh, I mean, Ivis RSL looked outstanding uh, in the victory over Seattle on Saturday. Oh, they look great! They dominated the game, and uh, you know, credit to Seattle for actually staying in it and making it interesting toward the end. But you know, RSL they look really, really good, and you know, as I, I wrote in my column after that game, they look they really look like the team to beat. I mean, you know what, uh, Seattle. I mean, it should be said they did have a U.S. Open came, uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinal mm-hmm. on Wednesday, so you know, you know, obviously they were going to be a little tired, um, but they they haven't been in their best form except for that blowout win in the Open Cup semi against Chicago. Uh, other than that, they've they've kind of not been on their at their best at at the form they had earlier on in the season. But RSL is really rounding in the form, and considering the fact that Javier Morales didn't even play. On Saturday, they still look good. Luis Skill look mm-hmm. good. Your, your boy, Zhao Plata, is killing it again. Luke Mulholland is, is once again showing why Garth Lagerway is Ooh. arguably the best or Garth Lagerway is the best GM in MLS. And you know what? They're playing really well, and they have re- reinforcements coming uh, with Alvaro Saborio coming back mm-hmm. and with and with the new forward, Sebastian Jaime, that they signed. Yeah, RSL just – you're exactly right. I mean, Seattle, tough task to go on the road with that U.S. Open Cup game. No Obi-Fabi Martins as well. But, I mean, Luis Gill, first off, if you did not see his goal against Tijuana from this past week, it was outstanding. So Luis Gill, who did have a little bit of, of an injury earlier this season, I mean, he started to kind of come into his own. And then the secret weapon – I mean, not that it's a secret weapon anymore – but I keep saying this, and, and people, you know, some people kind of looked at me, but Joel Plata, Ivis, I mean, he is outstanding. It's back-to-back weeks with, with a header for a goal for him, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but Ivis, he could be putting himself in the MVP discussion. Not really, but uh, oh, he's at... Yes, he's at, he is. No, he's no, no he's not really. Not, he's, he has been outstanding, not MVP. Uh, you know, he's, he's MVP of RSL at this point. Uh, edging ahead of Javier Morales. I mean, between the two of them, they're both they've both been very important to RSL's uh, success this year. But no, I mean he he was great last year, but he's taken it to another level this year. And it's just crazy to think that Toronto FC just let him go and pretty much gave him away uh, pretty cheaply before last mm-hmm. season. And, and once again, another 
shrewd pickup by uh, Garth Lagerwey and Plata right now. He's he's playing some of the best soccer uh, in the league. I wouldn't say he's playing the best soccer in the league. Actually, I think that that distinction might go to someone we'll talk about in a bit with FC Dallas. But RSL, mm-hmm. they're on top of the West right now, and it's not going to be easy to knock them off. Uh, Seattle, though, uh, you mentioned your article, and I, and I agree with you. There's no need to hit the panic button. But, I mean, it's just kind of just a little bit of a downspell that we see with some teams in Major League Soccer. I mean, it's literally impossible to stay on top for the whole season. You're going to go through parts of the season where you do kind of kick the tires and, and don't have your best performances. But for Seattle, I mean, what, what can Ziggy Smith do, you know, do to kind of correct the ship right now? Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, they didn't have Obafemi Martins for this game. Um, the midfield, you know, they didn't have Marco Papa either. Uh, but I, I think it's just, it's MLS, you know, there's streaks. Nobody, there's no, uh, Arsenal invincibles going undefeated for the whole year. I mean, teams have their, their good streaks, their down streaks, no matter who you are. And, and I think, uh, it's a little different from last year when, when Seattle really started to fall apart late in the year. Last year, you could tell, uh, I still remember that tie against Seattle. I mean, that tie against the Red Bulls in Seattle. That kind of set the wheels in motion, and then they started getting blown out in games. I mean, that's a little different. That's when you could really see, like, whoa, something's not right here. Uh, it's a little different now. It's just they're they're, they're just a bit off, um, but the quality is, I think, is still going to be there. I think I think they'll figure things out. Uh, they have too much talent on that team not to be there in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then again, as I pointed out in the article, uh, you know, I think only you know, I think like seventeen or eighteen teams, sixteen or seventeen teams in MLS would probably trade places with Seattle right now. When you look at their record, when you look at the fact that they're in the, they're in the Open Cup final, so it's really not like at the end of the world just because you know they they've got this little slump now of of, of I think they've dropped four out of six. Um, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. Clint Dempsey, I think he heads into the stretch run. This year, a lot fresher than he was last year. You know, when I talked to him uh, at, during MLS All-Star Week uh, about that, you know, he did point that out that, you know, he's feeling good. Uh, they, they're going to, you know, want to manage minutes and they're focused on that. And last year, obviously, he he he, he wasn't 100 percent heading down the stretch. And I think that's important. Um, you know, and I think obviously Obafemi Martins having him healthy. They're going to be fine. I think they're going to be there in the end. But uh, it is interesting that just a month ago they were running away with things in the West uh, you know, they, I forget how big a lead they had built up in the West, and and all of a sudden that just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, it just, so it just shows you, no one's going to run away with this thing. But uh, I think Seattle will be fine when it's all said and done. Oh, it's been good. Well, Seattle kind of not having this strong performance the last couple months. I mean, it, RSL's benefited benefited from it. You know, having Kyle Beckerman and Nick Romando come back. I mean, there was a while where RSL was struggling, but they've kind of figured it out. And, I mean, that's why they surpassed Seattle in the Western Conference. I mean, it's going to be a fun race to watch both these teams, you know, go down the stretch here competing back and forth because, I mean, it's when you look at both their lineups, the way they play, it's, it's going to be outstanding. Uh, moving over to the Eastern Conference, sporting Kansas City all over Toronto FC, defeating them 4-1. to one. Dom Dwyer keeping pace for the goal-scoring uh, lead in Major League Soccer with, uh, with a brace in the first half off two PKs. Both of them were taken really nice from him. Uh, Suni Saad, unbelievable goal from him in this one. Uh, but, I mean, I have the same thing with Toronto that we're seeing all season long and uh, not you know, not having the ability to finish in the final third is killing them. And not that I'm saying that that they would have beat Sporting Kansas City, but I mean, multiple times Toronto could have drawn goal back, could have equalized. But I mean, Toronto they they need to figure out how to finish in the final third if they want to stay with teams like Sporting Kansas City and some of the teams in the Western Conference. No, well, they they need Jermaine Defoe. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, I think Luke Moore. You know, he's someone who can give you a good game here and there, but he's not. 
going to be a consistent powerhouse striker. Uh, Gilberto, the designated player, I think he's he's okay, but he he's he's not on that level of Jermaine Defoe. They need him back in the lineup, obviously. I think to really. Uh, maximize what they can do. And it just shows, I mean, it's MLS. You know, any team, there aren't many teams where you could take their best striker, uh, their best attacking player, and take them off the off the mm-hmm. squad, and, and, it, and you're not going to feel it. So I think right now they are feeling that. And look, KC's the top team. I mean, I, I don't think anyone uh, got too crazy about the fact that they lost last week to Vancouver. Everybody has those, those kind of bad weeks, even the best teams. But I think we saw Sporting Kansas City bounce back from that rebound and show why they're the top team in the Eastern Conference. No, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, Benny Fellhauer drew a penalty, um, and then, and then uh, Dom Dwyer drew one. I mean, Sporting Kansas City just looked outstanding in this game. Uh, Gilberto, I, mean, I also say, I mean, Dominic Oduro's uh, assist to Gilberto was, was beautiful. So, I mean, that trade for Toronto's Oduro, I, I, I think it's done well for them. No, I, you know what? He is, he is a tricky one, man, because he, with the speed that he has... He can show. He can give you flashes. Like there'll be these periods where he plays really well, and you're sitting here going, "Can anyone touch this guy? Can anyone stop this guy?" But then he go, he falls into these funks, and it's inevitable. It's happened over and over and over in his career. There's a reason that he's been on so many teams because he'll give you that that those flashes of of greatness, even. And and, but then and then 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 it doesn't. Uh, show up for a few months and then the and then the coaches and gms just get fed up with it and decide to move him on i mean it happened in houston in chicago now in columbus uh before that with the red bulls before that with fc dallas i mean he's been around the league right there's a reason he's been around the league so i'm sure tfc is happy right now but uh don't get too crazy i don't think it's something that we're gonna see on a consistent basis uh well, we just talked about the top three teams in the league sporting kansas city arsenal in seattle if you had to rank them right now ivis one through three i mean who would you have as three going up uh, it's tough, man. It's, it's so much can happen. Uh, you know, I, I think as far as I know, I don't even think teams are are even done uh, b- building their rosters. So I mean, the, the freeze date is still a month away, so you could still see some tweaks. But right now in the Eastern Conference, for me, obviously, Sporting KC's one. Uh, I think DC United should be two. Uh, just, and and after that, I mean, you know what? Well, I no, think no, no, no. T- I, I was talking about uh, just the top teams in the league. When you look when you look oh. at the league right now. Between Sporting Kansas City, Arsenal, and Seattle, I mean, out of those three, I mean, who's kind of the top team between those three right now? Well, right now, it's uh, I'd go RSL. I think RSL has shown, uh, you know, I, th- I think their attack for me, they have a bit of an edge over KC. Uh, you know, KC, obviously, Dom Dwyer has been playing great. Benny Fellhauer is playing uh, really well this year. They have Zussi. So they've got some weapons, but I think RSL, I just think the way they play as a team, they they they're uh they're they're really firing and they still have guys who are going to come back for them, whereas KC is pretty much the team they are now is the team they're going to be. I know they they went and picked up uh you know picked up a few players, um but I think RSL with what they have now and with Saburio and Jaime coming to add to bolster the forward attack, uh I think I think RSL is the team to beat. Now let's let's not forget the fact that Seattle has. Games in hand, right? They, they, and, and people, oh, people who are fans of teams with games in hand, <laughs> love to talk about the games in hand because it's like you got to assume we're going to win those games, right? You, you can never assume that, obviously, which is why for me, I, I, I don't, I don't normally buy, I, I don't buy in the games in hand thing. Your points are what they are, and until you earn your points, they're not. You can't be there's It's not a given. Uh, because look, Seattle, the way they're playing right now, with games in hand, would games in hand mean much? Because they're not exactly killing it right now, so they could easily drop those points. Mm-hmm. But if Seattle straightens things out, if they get if they get their attack clicking the way they were earlier in the year, 
they could definitely close the gap. But for right now, I'm going to go Salt Lake 1, KC 2, and Seattle 3. Uh, the Columbus crew defeated LA Galaxy 4-1. to one. Uh, I mean, the crew looked like they were running downhill the entire match in this one. I and mean, you and I have talked about this. I mean, the Columbus crew kind of live and die with Federico Higuain. But all of a sudden, you're getting outstanding performances from Justin Miram, who had an absolute brilliant goal. Ethan Finley looked outstanding in this one. Uh, Gonzalez had a goal. And, I mean, it's the crew all over the LA Galaxy. I mean, I don't think many people had this one picked. I don't even think you and I had this one picked. Uh, I can't imagine anybody had the the crew blowing out uh, the galaxy. And look, credit to them. Uh, they had some great finishing uh, in that game. It wasn't really so much a case of them uh, dominating play. I mean, they played well. Credit to them. They had a, they, they had a good game. Um, you know, Justin Merrim was 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 great for them. Obviously, with between the finish and the assist on Ethan Finley's goal, but all those all three of the all four of the goals were, were well taken goals. Uh, and you don't see the Galaxy defense, uh, you know, opened up that way. I mean, think about. It. I mean, they they were, you know, the Galaxy had the top defense in the league mm-hmm. heading into that into that game, and for them to, you know, to go from surrendering 19 goals in 20 games to dropping a four spot. I mean, you don't expect that. But as we have said, kind of become the theme of this show. In MLS, everybody has bad weeks. The best teams have bad weeks. Uh, and obviously the bad teams have bad months and bad seasons, but I think LA will be fine. I I, I don't think this isn't necessarily uh, a case of oh wow maybe they're not a legitimate contender. They're go- they're gonna be fine. Uh, and, and you know even I think even Berhalter after the match said it that you know the Galaxy man for man when they're on their game they're the best team in the mm-hmm. league. And I agree with I agree with them when they can, if you take every team's best. I think the Galaxy's best is probably better than anybody's. But the the key is getting that best, getting to that point. Uh, consistency is still a bit of an issue with L.A. Um, I still, you know, not, not off of this game, but I still like what I, I what they could possibly do down the stretch. Uh, the Giassi's artist continues to score goals. I, I think their defense is going to be okay when it's all set up. But let's talk about Columbus. Uh, you know, for a while now I've said, look, their attack just isn't good enough. Their attack needs to show more and and this is a kind of game that that maybe gives you some confidence if you're the crew that maybe you do have enough uh, enough firepower to be a real threat in the Eastern Conference and look this is one game right mm-hmm. Justin Justin Merrim this isn't something he does every week but he has the talent now he needs to show that he can do this on a consistent basis Ethan Finley needs to show he can do this on a consistent basis if Finley and Merrim can kind of step up and be consistent contributors, then yes, the Columbus crew have a chance to make some noise because you can't just have Federico Iguain carry your attack mm-hmm. week, in and, week in and week out. You just can't do it. So if those guys step up and, and they keep stepping up, then yes, absolutely, the crew, you got to like their chances. Especially in the East where no one's kind of really pulling away right now. I mean, you look where the Columbus crew are, the fourth with 30 points. I mean, they're kind of in the thick of things. I mean, look, they're, they're not far behind D.C. from striking distance for that second spot. So everyone in the East is kind of right there. In that they're pretty far. Right there. They're seven points behind. And, anything and, could happen. D.C. has two. Anything could happen. Uh, listen, D.C. is seven points up with two games in hand. Hey, with the way D.C. is playing, you can't count those games. I have two losses in a row. Come on, you just said it five seconds ago. How about you look at the team that's two points ahead of them and not the team that's seven points ahead of them? Yes, Toronto <laughs> is in the striking distance for Columbus. That I think if you're Columbus, if you can get to third, I think that's your I think that's what you shoot for. I think if you're Columbus, if you can get in to that guaranteed playoff spot where you don't have to play the wild card game, I think that's what honestly all those teams, I think, you know, whether you're Columbus, whether you're the Red Bulls, Toronto FC, New England, Philly, 
all those teams, that has to be what they're looking for. Because, look, yes, I agree. DC's not playing great right now. Could they absolutely collapse? Possibly. But I think realistically speaking, all those teams need to be looking at that third spot because Toronto, they're only two points up on Columbus, only four points up on the Red Bulls. They're, they're vulnerable. Uh, before we move on and talk about the next game, I, I do want to talk about one thing. And you mentioned this, I think, about a month ago when you said that someone needs to step up on L.A., kind of be that third head for them. And we're seeing that with Zardis right now. I mean, he is white hot on fire, scoring goals left and right. I mean, the goal that he had in this game was just absolutely brilliant. I don't want to look too far ahead here, but I know we have some friendlies coming up for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, with kind of the performances that he's having, and you're kind of starting to hear some chatter of people saying, I mean, this is a guy that needs to be called up soon. I mean, your thoughts on that? Okay, first off, you need to calm down with the goal descriptions because some of these goals were not nearly as amazing as you're making them sound. Which, like who? Justin Merrim's uh, goal was nice? Yeah, say nice, say good. They're like amazing, unbelievable. <laughs> like You need to tone it down a notch. Not all these goals were that great. I mean, let's be honest. They were okay. Jesse Zardes' goal was okay. Let's take it easy. No, but yes, Zardes. Well, I mean, I, that was a quality finish. You, quality, that's okay. Yes, use quality. That's fine. You're like... Rewind the show, and you'll hear yourself. You're getting a little overboard with the you know, goal I'm, description. You, know, I'm, I'm, I'm you need fine. to watch a little more soccer. That's what you need to do. What, what are you talking about? I you watch, need to watch a little more soccer. I watch, watch enough more. soccer. Are you kidding me? You know the best goal of the weekend? Uh, Christian Ramirez, NASL, Minnesota United. I did not pretty, see that. Pretty, pretty, pretty nice bicycle kick. Oh, so. really? I thought the best goal of the weekend was, was uh, Jonathan Topp playing for Arizona United. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, do, you, do you get paid? Do you get paid? I think Garrett gets paid every time you can mention that team. But uh, go go back, go back now. to the go uh, back to my point. I asked you a question about Zardis. Answer that. Zardis is well. We've talked about this. I said that. Like I think he's a guy who right now he's actually leading all American players in goals scored in MLS. He's the top American goal scorer in MLS, and he's been great. And and I, I said it a few weeks ago that he actually kind of reminds me of. Of of Josie Altador when Josie Altador was with the with the the Red Bulls back you know before he went to Europe, uh, funny enough at that point in his career Altador was only seventeen. It just shows you like how far how ahead of the game Josie Altador was when he was here. Uh, you know Zardes five years older than him, but still Zardes really coming into his own. He's not the finished product, obviously. He's only in his second year as a pro, but mm-hmm. he has all the qualities to be a really good forward. And I know a lot. I know there were some people who were were down on him as a rookie. And thought he, you know, he was wasteful. He he didn't finish chances. But he was also playing out of position. Uh, Bruce Arena was trying him out on the wing, uh, but now that he has settled in as a striker, I think we're seeing what he can do. And absolutely, I, you know, I, I, he's someone who will get a call up. Uh, will it be for the September friendly? I don't know about that. Uh, may, uh, maybe for January, I think definitely. Um, but he's someone Clemson is going to have to take a look at pretty soon. Uh, FC Dallas on the road defeated San Jose Earthquakes five to zero. You and I, I mean, we, we talked about this one. We didn't, we didn't, we thought San Jose actually could have come away with the victory in this one because FC Dallas lost to Philadelphia midweek in the U.S. Open Cup. That game went to extra time. Dallas, like I said, lost on penalties. Then you have to go over to Buckshaw, and that's a very difficult environment to play in. But I mean, FC Dallas walked away with a huge five to zero victory. Two things I want, I want to talk about in this one, Ivis. One of them is. Akandeli, the rookie for FC Dallas, who had a hat trick in this game. He has been on fire for them, has kind of really come out of nowhere. And right now, Ivis, it looks like he could be possibly the leading candidate for rookie of the year. So that what's the other thing? You said there were two things you wanted to talk about. Oh, I, I want to talk about how uh, Fabian Castillo possibly, I think, so you, you, most you just improved. Want- 
He is having just, an outstanding season. You want to just take all the good talking points out of the game? I'll just let you finish. First off, why, no, okay. why are you, you, you so fired up today? I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up for these easy home runs. I'm giving you like soft tosses here. Come on. All right, you should have started with Castillo, first of all. Because Castillo is playing the best soccer in the league right now. Yeah. And I know Ted Shoak, for people who didn't watch the game, I know people, people for people who didn't watch the game, and that I'm sure that includes a lot of people, a lot of writers who who, who vote for MLS Player of the Week, which I don't vote for anymore because I think it's a bit of a joke. But I guarantee you, Tesho Akindele, nothing against him. He had a great game. Will get a ton of votes for MLS Player of the Week because he scored a hat trick. But listen, folks, Fabian Castillo mm-hmm. was the man of the match of this game. He was unplayable in this game. He had a he was responsible for. Four of these goals, four, mm-hmm. four goals. He was unbelievable, and he and and it's crazy because here he was just on Tuesday. He was, uh, you know, they they play 120 minutes. Uh, he well, he did, you know, he was all over the place against Philly. Was a handful against the Union, and then comes and and you know, I said in the preview to this this game, I said, look, I think Dallas is going to get something out of this game, even though they're going to be tired. I think they're going to get something out of this game. I didn't, I didn't think they'd blow San Jose out, but. It's because of Fabian Castillo being completely unplayable. I mean, his speed and his timing and his confidence right now is at all-time high. Mm -hmm. Since he's been in the league, he's had the speed to cause problems, but he's playing with a confidence right now that has just put him to another level right now. And right now, he is the most unplayable player in MLS just with the form that he's been on the past few weeks. Akindele, obviously, you know, he he cleaned, he had one really nice goal where he turned, uh, he, he shook off uh, Victor Bernardes and then hit a nice shot from distance. But the other two, you know, he cleaned up, uh, he cleaned up some messes that, that Fabian Castillo created. So uh, Castillo, as is, is, is long as Castillo's playing like that, mm-hmm. I mean, he just makes things so much easier for everyone else on his team. And FC Dallas, man, they're they're you know I thought maybe they could be a team that slips a bit. They they absolutely do not look like they're going to slip one bit. They look like they absolutely like a playoff team, and they're really going to make things difficult for the Galaxy to, to to hold on to that that number three spot because Dallas is right now holding on to that third spot in the West, and I don't think they're going to let it go. Well, going back to Castillo, what you said, I mean, and that's the thing that I think we've seen out of him over the last couple of years. It's just kind of that unfinished product where you have moments of oh my gosh, this guy could be really good, then moments of man, you just. Is he never going to figure it out? And, and I think this game is kind of sums up this year for him because I think he's been outstanding for FC Dallas. I think I said at the beginning of the year, about a month into the season, where he kind of saw a different Castillo, where he was finishing these chances that he hasn't the past year. And for me, the opening goal that he scored in this game, when he ran the ball down, shook off Jason Hernandez, and then dribbled into the box and had that nice little floater over John Bush. I mean, that's something where maybe last year, two years ago, he probably wasn't putting that in the back of the net. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, Castillo has just been on fire in this one. I mean, tough day for John Bush and, and for the San Jose Earthquakes. Also, it didn't help when Chris Wondolowski missed the penalty uh, right uh, at the end of the first half. I mean, if he hit that, probably a much different game in the second half, but FC Dallas, Iowa State, they're just on fire right now, and it just goes to show that Oscar Preya is the manager of the year. Well, right now, he's looking pretty good for that that honor, no doubt about it, but uh, San Jose wasn't ready, man. They were not ready for Castillo. Their defense was just ripped to shreds, yep. and yes, Wondolowski's PK would have helped, but they still would have lost this game. I, I really, I'm convinced they would have lost that with or without Wondolowski's penalty. 
Uh, and look, I, I said it last show. I said it, San Jose. I, I wasn't sold on this idea. And there were some people, because look, let's face it, there are some people who try to hype up every single team because they want to be right at some point in their in their prognostications. But there were some people who were on that San Jose bandwagon. I was not. I said, you know what? I don't see it. And and now they get they get embarrassed at home against a team that they should have been able to get a result against because of the mm-hmm. fatigue factor, because of the travel factor. Mm-hmm. Like it's set up perfectly for you if you can't even. If you can't even compete against a tired team at when you're at home, like what what, what are you really what are you really planning to try to do? So I think I think that's got to be the nail in the coffin for them, and and I think people can stop even suggesting that we're going to see some kind of dream run from uh, uh, from Seattle that they're going to take over. Because you know, look, right now, yeah, they're nine points out of, the, of a playoff spot. They do have two games in hand on the fifth place team, but they just don't have it to, to like a, a, anyone. Who's thinking that you know they're going to be like that supporter shield caliber team that they were a few years ago? Let's remember, folks, the year they won the supporter shield, everything went their yeah. way, everything went right. The, every late push uh, came came to a goal. It wasn't that they were playing great ninety minute games; they were they're pushing teams toward the end and getting results. Everything went their way, but they they've come down to earth since then, and and they're they're just not that good a team. And and there, I tell you what, but, going but into this, San Jose should have known that. I mean, that, right, was, well, they, that was lightning well, that, in a bottle. Well, There's we, no way Alan said, Gordon is going to do well, that back-to-back look, back seasons. Listen, we said this going into this. In, 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 well, I, he was I, last I, I, year. We talked about this. Well, this preseason, and I'm pretty sure if anyone wants to listen to preseason preview, I didn't think they did enough. I didn't think they did enough to fix their roster to improve their roster. I thought their roster got worse. So, you know, I, I know they're, they're trying to change their philosophy. Apparently, you know, they went and signed the, 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 the playmaker, the, the, the designated player playmaker. They get rid of Alan Gordon, break up the Bash Brothers. Hopefully they start playing Tommy Thompson at some point, the, young, the, the, the exciting rookie who I think is going to be outstanding once he really gets the chance and gets some minutes. But they, they, need, to, they need a makeover. And, and I think, I think you know, this season is a lost cause for them. They, yeah, could they put some games together? Could they compete? Sure. I mean, they have, you know, Bush can, Bush, John Bush can play well. Their defense can be okay when you're talking about Bernardes and, and, and Clarence Goodson when he's healthy. Obviously, he's not healthy now, that, you know, which doesn't help them. But you know what? I think this season's done for them. Look, they, they have to look at next year. Mm-hmm. They're getting their stadium. So this offseason is very important for them because you want to have a good team, an entertaining team, Going into when you're going into a new stadium, uh, Portland Timbers and New England Revolution play to a one-one draw at Foxborough. Excuse me. Uh, Charlie Davies had an unbelievable goal, and then Liam Ridgewell had a double. There you there it is. There <laughs> you're doing it again. You're doing it again. It was not. It was a totally believable goal, Garrett. Relax. Stop saying unbelievable. What, I'm purposely doing this to get you riled up right now. It's working. I love it. Well, you're uh, killing. You're <laughs> killing your credibility. I don't care. You can go ahead and say it you want, but people are looking at you like, what are you talking about? I think everyone knows that I'm messy with you at this point. Uh, I don't. I don't care. You're, you're, you're the one that sounds pretty silly right I'll now. Relax. All right, let's go. Relax. Let's go. Charlie let's go. Davies had 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 a, had a goal in this one. Liam Ridgewell equalized late. Uh, in the second half for the Portland Timbers. But uh, it just seems fitting that this game ended in a 1-1 draw, especially for both teams, New England and Portland, who I think we expected a little bit well, – we didn't expect. We, we did expect better out of both these teams this season. What's going on in the background? Is there like are there people moving furniture? Are you moving out of your apartment? What's going your house? What's going on? No, I, what are you hearing in the background? Keep it down. Right I'm hearing all sorts of noise over there. I Take think that's my, that's my girlfriend. She's – Organizing the fridge. I I, I did you, stuff you in the fridge and she freaked out. You don't out have a soundproof day. room that you can work in, man. Come on. Go ahead, Ivis. Talk about the game. 
You don't have. Do we have to give her a credit now in the SBI show because no, you hear her voice in the background. Okay. <laughs> you heard that? <laughs> SBI SBI shows Yoko Ono, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so what we're we talking about? What, what is up? You are fired up today, man. What? What is? Did you get? You, well, you know, what? it's because it's early. Night. It's nine o'clock Eastern. This is like four hours earlier than we normally record. Yeah, I don't like doing the show at this time. This is this is probably gonna be a one-time thing. Oh, <laughs> is that? What? Oh, because your girlfriend's not asleep. Yeah, that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, anyways, we're talking about New England, Portland. I said how it was fitting that this game ended in a one-one draw. Uh, I, I don't know why is it fitting, Garrett. It just seems that both teams we expected better out of them. Numerous chances in this that they both wasted. Neither team could get the advantage on the other one. It just kind of seems that both these teams is just they're right there, but they just can't push through to that next level of where we kind of were hoping that they would be this season. I don't know if it was a fitting result because I thought actually Portland should have won the game. I mean, I thought they were robbed of a, what looked like a pretty clear goal that would have been the winner for them. So, I mean, for me, I don't know. I would say great to see Charlie Davies score again. I mean, he, just to see him, you know, kind of showing the quality that he could still have. Uh, I know a lot of people have kind of forgotten about him, written him off. Last year, he didn't play much at all. Uh, and I did find it interesting because I remember, you know, I, I remember talking to some players from New England about Charlie and they'd be like, well, yeah, you know, he looks really good in training. I don't know why he's not playing. And I don't know how much of that had to do with his loan situation and whether New England didn't want to necessarily uh, play him too much and then have to pay a loan fee or uh, pay a fee if they wanted to uh, uh, sign him out. Right. I don't know what was going on there. But I think he has shown now, uh, started to show lately that he can be an impact player. And it's great to see because, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. for those who remember, you know, he's been through a lot. You know, he almost died in the car accident that totally, you know, at, he was at the peak of his career. I mean, who knows where he'd be right now if not for that accident. I mean, he probably plays in the 2010 World Cup. Maybe he's playing at a, you know, I mean, he had the talent to play uh, for a Champions League team. Like he was on that trajectory and we'll never know. And it's really one of the kind of the sad Sad stories of American soccer, but I think it, it, it anybody who has followed him and followed his career has to feel good at the fact that he is that he never he's never given up. He's continued to push, and here he is starting to piece it together, starting to find that rhythm. And if he can get back to his 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 you know goal goal scoring ways, I mean it's great. It's a great story. Um, as far as the game itself, though, I thought Portland should you know they could have very easily come away with all three points. Uh, it's never easy going across country, uh, playing on the road and getting a result. So for them, they'll take the point, but I'm sure they're not happy about that offside call that cost them what would have been the winner. And considering the travel that they're going through right now, they had to travel all the way to New England from Portland. Now they have to travel all the way to the Caribbean to play in the CONCACAF Champions League. And then they have to fly all the way back to the Pacific Northwest. I don't, I mean, crazy, crazy miles. I kind of wish I, had, I could rack up those kind of miles this week to you know help my my uh, my premier status with, with uh, United. But that, you know what? Portland... They needed these. They need. They need their results because they still have to climb back in the playoff race. I think they'll be okay. But you know what? If they end up missing the playoffs by a game, by I mean by a point or two, they're gonna look back on this game and say, you know what? We should have had all three points. Uh, Houston defeated uh, Philadelphia Union two to zero on Friday night. Uh, Philadelphia, as as we said, I mean, really tough for them to be playing on Wednesday, then have to go down and play another game. Uh, they looked decent enough in the first half, but second half they kind of fell apart. Will Bruin. Uh, gets a goal and then and then an own goal, just a, a crazy deflection in the back of the net. Uh, and for Houston, uh, you know, took advantage of a, of a very tired Philadelphia Union. Right. I mean, look, you, you kind of knew that it was going to really be a tough one for them, um, just because you know I think Houston's showing that they're a better team, obviously, with the additions that they've made. Uh, and Philly put so much into that game on Tuesday that, that it was going to be tough for them. I know that Jim Curtin tried to make some changes to his rot to his lineup. 
uh, to kind of keep things fresh. But you know, at, at the end, it wasn't it wasn't quite enough, uh, quite enough for them. Uh, they, obviously, Zach McMath was the hero in the Open Cup semi. Uh, Jim Curtin rested him and gave uh, the rookie the number one overall pick, Andre Blake, his first career start. Uh, his first career MLS start and Blake, you know, he showed some good flashes. He showed mm-hmm. some some of the quality that that made him the number one overall pick and made him such a highly regarded uh, prospect coming into the draft. But you know, for Houston, you got to feel pretty good about getting this result, especially after the way last week went in Seattle, when you probably felt like you should have gotten at least a point against the against the Sounders. So, uh, you know, great to see Will Bruin score. I mean, speaking of American forwards or American. Uh, goal scorers. He's he's right up there with Jesse's artists am- among the top American goal scorers in MLS, and and they need him to get going because uh, you know I think defensively you'd like to hope that you know having getting Beasley in will help solidify some things. Having Luis Garrido uh, give them a little more bite in the midfield will kind of help support the defense a bit. But the attack, they need their attack to score more goals. They need their attack to be more consistent and. Uh, it should be. It should be now that Bodine Garcia is back, Brad Davis is back. They're back from the World Cup. Uh, we got to see what Will Bruin can do. Can Will Bruin carry an attack? That's going to be the question these next couple of months. Uh, to, you just mentioned uh, Will Bruin's on the list of American goal scorers. The list goes uh, Zardis is first, Dempsey is second, and Will Bruin is three right now with nine. Yes, sir. So uh, <laughs> wait, Bradley Light Phillips is an American. Just kidding. <laughs> it, is, it is it is pretty interesting that the three of the top four goal scorers in MLS are from from England. Funny enough. Actually, if you want, wait. Let's see. One, wait, two, no, 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 three. No, no. Eric Torres. Four, four, yeah. four of four of the top six. Actually, no. Four. No. Four of the top six are from the UK. Uh, three of which are from England, and then Robbie Keane is from Ireland, or you know, from from there, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to see guys like Zardes and Will Bruin mm-hmm. uh, kind of do their thing. You, you like you need to see some more American goal scorers develop, and, and obviously, I'm sure Jurgen Klinsmann has his eye on things and, and has his eye on, on potential uh, call ups and guys he can call up. Bruin has had his chance before. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily in the picture, but Zardes absolutely is in the picture. Uh, I, I had to bring stats into the show, Ivis, because I mean I have no credibility, but with the stats, I have credibility. Uh-huh. Because I, I, I can't make up unbelievable stats for. Uh, for the show's purposes. <laughs> there you go. Man. Yeah. Uh, Montreal defeated Chicago 1-0. Marco Dubai with a goal in the 84th minute. And uh, look, Montreal at this point, there's no way they're going to make the playoffs. But a Chicago Fire, I mean, this is a game. You, you have to win if you want to make the playoffs. So there's still three points out of a playoff spot. But just to lose to Montreal, that that is that's just it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about the fact that they lose this game, and they're still only three points out of a playoff spot. That, that's mind-boggling to me. Um, but, yeah, not, you know, it's tough to take them seriously, man. It, it really is. Uh, obviously, they had the big, ugly Open Cup semifinal loss. Um, mm-hmm. And now they lose this game to Montreal. I mean, if they had won this game, they're right in the playoff picture. They're tied for fifth. They, if they, if that, that's how close – I mean, the, let's face it. The Eastern Conference is a bit of a mess. The fact that the fire could have been tied for fifth, but mm-hmm. now are one are but now instead are ninth place, uh, it shows you how close things still are. And I just wonder what Chicago's going to do as far as Jermaine Jones is concerned. Right now, I know Jermaine, uh, Chicago and New England are apparently in the mix for him. There's still conversations going on about trying to sign him. Uh, he's he you know Jermaine Jones is busy partying uh, partying away as anyone who follows him on Instagram uh, can see. But both those teams need him. And and I think the team that signs him gets in the playoffs. I think it's that cut and dry. I think he's that good a player 
whoever, whichever of these Eastern Conference teams signs Jermaine Jones will get themselves in the playoffs. Does it mean they'll go far in the playoffs? No. But I think if New England signs them, they're going to be a playoff team. I mean, they might still be one even without them, but I think if they get them, they'd absolutely be a playoff team. And I think Chicago, unless they sign Jermaine Jones, they are not making the playoffs. I'm just going to say that right now. I know they're pretty. I know they're only three points out, but there's so many other teams that they have to battle. Teams that have improved. Houston's improved. Philly's improved. And if New England signs Jermaine Jones, boom, they're they're ahead of Chicago. So if you're the Fire and you have any realistic aspirations of getting into the playoffs this year, you have got to sign Jermaine Jones immediately. And I know, look, they have to think about the finances, and, and they can't just bend over and 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 give Jermaine Jones uh, however much money he asks, but. You know, at a certain point, you have to make that decision. Do we want to make this investment in the guy, or do we, or do we want to just scrap the season? And I think if they don't, if the fire doesn't sign them, they're done. Their season's over. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. It just seems that the longer Jermaine Jones doesn't doesn't wait, you know, waits to sign, you know, the the better it almost seems it's going to work out for him because New England and Chicago, I mean, they're both within striking distance of the playoffs, but. I mean, you have to assume that one of these teams eventually is going to pull the trigger and say, look, we, we got to bring him in. And it, that could actually play out in Jermaine Jones's favor. Yeah, I mean, all right, here's the thing, right, though, that, that needs to be made clear. Unlike other sports where, you know, getting into the playoffs can be kind of a big financial windfall, uh, in MLS, getting into the playoffs as a fifth seed or even a fourth seed doesn't mean much because at the end of the day, okay, let's say you get in as, as a, hypothetically speaking, let's say you're the Chicago Fire, you make the playoffs, you get in as a number five seed. You're not even getting a wild card playoff game. You're getting a road one off road play, basically play in game, right? So you're making no money. It's not a. It's not like it's a cash thing. It's not a money thing. There's not like a TV contract. You're not going to recoup that money. So it, it's not like you know. It's not like the NFL or the NBA where hey, you know what? If you if, if you can sign the guy, he's going to get you in the playoffs. Uh, it's worth it financially because you're going to get you know two or three home games. Uh, the TV money there is a completely different thing. So from that standpoint, uh, from a financial standpoint, it, 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 is it like a no-brainer? No. But from a competitive standpoint, if you consider yourself a team that that wants to compete, if you consider yourself, you want to be considered a team that's a serious player in this league and someone that uh, a team that's not that is willing to spare no expense uh, to make things happen for your team. This is a deal you got to make. Now, New England, we know they don't have the best reputation through the years of, of as far as spending money goes. They they probably have the worst reputation in the league when it comes to will their owners spend money? Will they will they you know break the bank to go sign a designated player? The, it, signing Jermaine Jones would go against every stereotype New England uh, New England's front office has, every single one. So if it doesn't happen, it's going to kind of b- b- tie in all those things. Chicago, they've spent money through the years. They've brought in designated players. We obviously remember Quatsmoke Blanco uh, was big for them. But, you know, lately they, they, they're kind of at risk of becoming an afterthought. Right now, what makes the fire relevant? Mike McGee obviously helped big time when he came over from L.A. But even Mike McGee isn't necessarily moving the needle. He's the MVP of MLS. But is he really moving the needle? Is he someone who... Who, who casual sports fans in Chicago are, are, are talking about on a regular basis? No, not really. Jermaine Jones, uh, you know, he's not quite Tim Howard, but Jermaine Jones with the World Cup he had, I think he I think he has a little more cachet. And more importantly, what the impact he can have on the team as a whole, I think I think you got to sign. I think you got to sign him. It's, you know, they, like 
the, the, as good a player as he is, the kind of locker room presence he can be, especially when you want to talk about the young guys that they have on that team, Harrison Ship, Benji Hoya. Like for me, I think it's a no brainer. If you're Chicago, you if if you're and I, I mean I've heard I've heard that the the money is not crazy far apart. It's not a mil. It's less than a million. It's you know it could be like around you know five hundred thousand or whatever it is. Um, the Fire need to make it happen. They need they need they need him more than New England does. Um, but you know what? Hopefully one of those teams signs him. That's that's all I'd say. Uh, I agree. Hopefully someone pays him. I mean, Jermaine Jones in Major League Soccer would be outstanding. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps a week after defeating Sporting Kansas City 2-0. to They go on the road and play Chivas USA to a scoreless draw, their fifth draw in the last six matches. Positives for Vancouver. I mean, at least they picked up a point. But, you know, once again, this is another team, Ivis, where behind them, Portland and Colorado are both knocking on the door for the playoffs and two more points in this one and defeating Chivas USA on the road. I mean, you need to be doing that to be able to pick all three points up in a very competitive Western Conference. I, I said, hey, I said it in the, in the preview. They're just not good on the road. The, the, the disparity, I don't know if there's a team in MLS who has a greater disparity between their road form and their home form than Vancouver. I mean, it's unbelievable. At home, they could beat anybody at home. They step there. They're, they they just play at a different level, and on the road they're just so flat and so blah. And I mean, like you said, if you can't go in, if you can't go in and beat a Chiefs and beat Chiefs USA, like how serious should people take you as a playoff team? And I really think they missed an opportunity to uh, to get put to create some cushion on Portland, on Portland and Colorado. But I mean, for me, Portland, I, I you know I've been saying for more than a month now. Portland, I think Portland is a team that's going to get into the playoffs. Now, if you're Vancouver, you're absolutely going to pay the price if you're dro- if you're dropping points against the Chiefs USA because mm-hmm. Portland is coming, folks. Portland, uh, they have the quality they have, and I know people say, "Oh, but they just tied New England." New England is better than Chivas, right? They're 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 just they're a better team than Chivas. Uh, ha- traveling across the country is a tougher prospect than going down to LA and playing in front of nobody. I mean, not that not, not that Gillette sells out either, but I, I, I just think Vancouver, they're gonna their road form is it still an issue? And Carl Robinson, I think you know he inherited that. I mean, that's still that that's I feel like that's been the case since Vancouver came to the league for whatever reason. Maybe it's just so amazing in Vancouver that when you go anywhere else, you just can't you can't get up for to play. I I, I don't know what Unless the deal we, is. It's something in the water up there. I think it's, that's what uh, it is. Or the turf at their stadium? At the stadium? I mean, I don't know what it is, but you know what? They you can't take them seriously until they start showing some quality on the road, and until they do that, they're just not. They have no chance in the Western Conference because I think the other teams in the West have have shown that they can get it done on the road. FC Dallas just went to San Jose and annihilated uh, the Earthquakes. Seattle's shown that they can win on the road. RSL has shown that they can win on the road. Vancouver, if you want to be taken seriously, you got to be able to win on the road. Well, Chivas also has been a thorn in the side for Vancouver this year. I mean, Vancouver's only been able to pick up two out of nine possible points against Chivas USA. I mean, that, something like that, those seven points, I, I know it's not, not all seven points, but some stuff like that is going to come back and possibly you know bite Vancouver you know, if they don't make the playoffs. Simple as that. I agree. And in the uh, late game on Sunday night, D.C. United all over the Colorado Rapids, defeating them 4-2, to two. D.C. snaps. Uh, their past two matches, Luis Silva. I believe I'm the one who said he had a, he was going to explode in this game. Ivis, was that correct? <laughs> I'm pretty sure anyone who listens to the show knows that I said DC would win and Luis Silva would score. Now I did say he would score. He would score the winner in a 1-0 mm-hmm. victory. Obviously, it was a 4-2 victory. Not quite the same, but I, close enough. So 
I'm, I'll feel pretty good about Those that. Those are just details. You, you said he had a goal, so I'll give you a gold star for that. There you go. Thank you. I uh, but uh, I just, DC, all over Colorado. Uh, I mean, you know, Colorado, as we said, you know, once again, mixing up their, uh, their starting 11. But uh, DC, man, you, you get that really nice combination up top with Fabian Espindola, Luis Silva connecting for three goals apiece. Chris Wolf gets a goal in this game. And uh, DC, man, back in the winning column. Three goals apiece? Or are there 12 goals in this game? What are you talking about? Uh, I'm sorry. Three goals total between the two players. <laughs> Stop it. Why, why you got to be like that right now? Uh, I got to bust your chops. No, but look, uh, obviously, look, if you're a DC fan, you got to be happy. You got, Well, I think it's probably more relieved than happy because, you know, you're on that little two-game slide mm-hmm. and you're starting to think, uh-oh, what's, what's going on here? But, you know, they, they came back. They won. Look, Colorado's in bad shape. They've got one. I think it's one win in eight. They're one, five, and three. They're in really bad shape. Then they lose Drew Moore very early in this game, which didn't help them at all. Uh, just made things that much tougher for them. Uh, but credit to D.C. Luis Silva, outstanding game. Fabian Espinola comes back with a goal. And how about Taylor Kemp, a guy who is now getting to get his opportunity. Chris Korb is injured, so now Taylor Kemp's going to have his chance to to get a run out uh, for D.C. And, you know, mm-hmm. he was a first-round pick a year ago. And, you know, they, they've been waiting to see what he can do. And he, he comes up with two assists today, played well. So, Things are looking up for D.C. Uh, it's funny. I, there, there's some D.C. fans who are asking if, if I'm ready to show them some love. And Look, good win. Positive. They hold on to the number two. They're, they're solidifying their hold on the number two spot in the East. I don't see them giving that up. Uh, having said that, next week they play Sporting Kansas City. Yep. And I think that game now will be the real measuring stick to see how seriously we can take them as a title contender because I still, at this point, don't have them as one. And no to the person on Twitter who said them having 40 points makes them a title contender. No. What makes you a title contender is your quality. And I, I'm not going to expect these United fans to, to, dis, to disagree or to agree with me. But in my opinion, there's still a short list of four teams that are the true title contenders in MLS. That's Sporting Kansas City, RSL, Seattle, and L.A. Those are the big four. Then for me after that, there's a second, there's a second tier when you can, when you want to talk about FC Dallas, DC United, um, you know, I, th- I think even uh, Portland can end up in that second tier as well. Uh, but for right now, if DC goes and wins that game, mm-hmm. if they go and beat Sporting Kansas City, then you can start take th- start taking them a bit more seriously. But until then, I'm still gonna kind of reserve uh, reserve judgment on that. Well, DC in the previous meeting this year did defeat Sporting Kansas City one to zero. I was so it's gonna it's, when, gonna, it's gonna be a good little showdown this weekend. When was that game? Uh, May 31st. And who was not on Sporting Kansas City on May 31st? Those are just details, man. Graham Zussi and Matt Beasley. Those are just so, details. Details, dude. Well, I'm just saying, well, right now, we'll see what the real deal is. They have all their, they have all their players. Uh, Sporting KC, we have the, we'll have their full allotment of players, and, and we'll have a good chance to see what, what's what. Uh, if you can beat a shorthanded Sporting Kansas City team at home, I mean, you that that should be at least what you do if you want to consider yourself a serious title contender. Mm-hmm. What I will say is was interesting was who wasn't there for DC United today, which uh, on Sunday night, Eddie Johnson mm-hmm. suspended. He was suspended, and all of a sudden, DC United's attack looking pretty good. Uh, I know some DC United fans uh, had, had been a little upset with him lately, uh, feeling like he's a little lethargic. He doesn't look like he's trying. Uh, trying hard enough, and obviously there's the whole dust up with him going at fans on Twitter. Well, you know him going back and forth with fans on Twitter, uh, but it, I do think it's a little interesting how well DC played without him, 
And that's going to be the challenge for Eddie Johnson. You know, you're looking at this group, you know, Fabian Spinola coming back, mm. look good. Uh, Chris Rolfe, again, another goal for him. He's got five goals, five assists, great pickup for D.C. You got Luis Silva looking good. Eddie Johnson, if he wants, you know, you got to, you kind of think of him as a guaranteed starter, but if D.C. goes and wins the next game, let's just say hypothetically, they go on, uh, they go and beat Sporting Kansas City next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're Ben Olsen, do you do you just slide Eddie Johnson back in, or do you kind of stick with stick with the group you got? So uh, I, I think that's going to be interesting. That game is in Kansas City, mind you. So that for me, I'll tell you what, folks, that is the test. That will be the test. If both teams, mind you, both teams have Concacaf Champions League in midweek, mm-hmm. so there's no excuses on that front about oh one team's going to be tired, one team's not. DC's at home there uh, on uh, I believe it's on Wednesday. Uh, Sporting Kansas City is on the road on Tuesday in Concacaf Champions League. Uh, playing Real Esteli, uh, so they're going to be down in Central America for that. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, that's the game I'm looking forward to. DC, Sporting Kansas City. I think Sporting Kansas City will take care of business. But if DC wins, then I will have to take them seriously as a title contender. Uh, I also thought that uh, that you're, you're talking about players on DC. I thought Perry Kitchen had a really good game uh, in this one as well. Uh, moving over to Colorado. Uh, I guess that's not four losses in a row. I mean, Dylan Center had a very nice goal in this game, but he gets taken out. I mean, Pablo, you know, mixing it up with his lineups and stuff like that. I mean, is Colorado in a free fall right now, or, or kind of what's, what's going on with them? I mean, can, can this be turned around right now? Because the way they're going right now, I mean, it looks like they're going to play themselves out of the playoffs. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. And, uh, you know, as I just said, they're one five. What are they, one five and two? They've won one out of their last eight. And, you know, there's some questions. And I feel like I said this, I don't know how many and their, episodes. And their win was against Chivas USA. So there you go. That out. There you go. So I said this a few shows ago that that was the, the one concern for me was all the tinkering and all the lineup adjustments that they've had. They've had some issues injury-wise. I've seen Shane O'Neill uh, has been sidelined by a knee, uh, knee injury. And, and now you lose Drew Moore in this game. But they just haven't clicked. They haven't clicked for a while now. And you just wonder is the fact that they haven't really established an identity as a team this late into the season has that set them up to fail. And, you know, it's still kind of early. I mean, they're still in that mix. It's not like they've completely fallen out. But when you look at the other teams in that mix, Portland, Vancouver, uh, you know, FC Dallas, L.A., all those teams vying for those spots, it's just going to – I just think it's going to be tough for Colorado. I mean, they have quality. They have some good players on that team. They've got some young players coming up, but do they have a team that can put it all together, turn things around, and make a serious run at the playoffs? I don't think so. I think for me, I like Portland to beat them out. And Vancouver, you know, assuming they ever figure out their road issues, I think Vancouver will end up finish, uh, finishing ahead of Colorado. Well, Ivis, as we talked about in the beginning of the show, uh, the bulk of the Americans abroad kicked off their European seasons this past week. We've had some Americans playing, like mixed is screwed up in Norway, but as like, you know, the majority uh, underwent the first games this past week. And Tim Howard and Everton played to a 2-2 draw in their opening game, but the potential future starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team, Brad Guzan, earned a clean sheet over Stoke City. And uh, in their opening debut, I mean, once again, good to see Brad Guzan, who has been an outstanding goalkeeper over the last year, start off on the right foot. Uh, it's obviously a big step for him. I mean, he he's been a starter for a couple of years now for them, and uh, it's just you know, it's good to see that him start off on the right foot, uh, especially since it's kind of you get the sense that this could be now the Brad Guzan era with the national team. Tim Howard is not retired; he has not said he's going to step aside. But the sense you got after the World Cup was that. He's he, he's kind of he could we, that could happen. So 
We haven't got any word on that officially, but I tell you what, I think the U.S. is in safe hands and goal uh, with Brad Guzan there. I think the bigger news, not bigger news, but a, a mm-hmm. pretty big, interesting development out of that game is the who didn't play. Yep. And that, and that was Jeff Cameron. Uh, he's been the subject of a lot of transfer talk. He's, as we said in the last episode of, S- of the SBI show, he's been linked to clubs all through the Premier League as well mm-hmm. as the Bundesliga. And at that point, you know, you didn't know what to make of it. And now all of a sudden, he, you know, first game of the season, he doesn't even dress. And as far as we know, there there are no injury issues. You know, we hadn't heard anything about an injury. So uh, for a guy who's been a two-year starter for them to suddenly not be in, in, in uniform on, mag- on the opening day, that would make you believe that there's a move pending and that there's something that's going to happen. Uh, we haven't heard anything yet, but that'll obviously be probably a big story this week where Jeff Cameron goes. And, and you know, I, I think I'll speak for, for most people who follow the U.S. team that you'd like to see him go somewhere where he can play center back. I think that's his that's the future for him. That's his best position going forward. And if he can go to a team where he can play a, as a central defender, I think that's a really good step for the U.S. national team. Uh, also keeping it in, uh, in England, Josie Altidore came off the bench and played nine minutes in Sunderland's 2-2 draw after he came on. Uh, Sutherland was able to score the equalizer. But, uh, you know, lots to talk about Josie Altidore. Good to see him, Ivis, coming back from his injury and getting some playing time. Right. It's a, it's a first step. Um, you know, he, he only recently came back uh, from the injury. You know, I think he only trained maybe a week and made like one preseason appearance uh, earlier in the week. So I don't think anyone expected him to start. But it's good to see that him get on the field. Uh, he was on the field when they scored the equalizer. He didn't actually have a hand in the equalizer, but he was on the field for it. And, you know, he, he it's going to be tough for him for as far as minutes. Uh, if things stay as they are as far as, as Sunderland and the group that they have, I mean, they they haven't sold Connor Wickham. It looks like he's going to stay. Stephen Fletcher's still there. They bought uh, Jack Rodwell. And, there's, and they're still trying to get Fabio Barini from Liverpool. If, if they don't get Barini and they stand pat with the other guys that they have, I think Altidore can fight for minutes, and I think he can earn some minutes pr- pretty easily there. If they succeed in landing Barini, which, you know, you hear, I hear conflicting things on that. You hear, you see conflicting reports on whether or not Sunderland's going to get Barini. If they get Barini, that's going to be even less minutes. Uh, and then maybe you start talking about Altidore making a move. But I think for now, it's positive that he was able to get on the field, uh, especially when the team mm-hmm. was behind and they needed to get that point, and they got that point. So that, that's I think that's good for him. And uh, moving over to the Dutch League, uh, under-20 U.S. men's national team player Rubio Ru- Rubin excuse me, uh, had an assist, and uh, FC Utrecht's 2-1 win. Uh, good to see Ivis, a young American, performing well uh, in Europe. Well, it's a good first step for him. You know, you, to see him make his debut play 90 minutes and uh, he even got an assist as much as it was really an unintentional assist. Basically uh, a ball came to him in front of goal. He went to shoot it. He whiffed, but I guess he caught a piece of it and then it ended up going to a teammate behind him who converted the chance and voila, you've got an assist in your debut. (laughs) Uh, But for a teenage player like him, really highly regarded youth national team prospect, youth prospect from the Portland area, uh, someone who's been on the radar uh, for a while. I mean, it's great to see him get off to that kind of start. And, uh, you know, I know there, there's always hand-wringing about young, uh, should young Americans go to Europe? Should they come to MLS? What should they do? I think you're seeing more players go test the waters in Europe. And this is obviously a good a good uh, example of a, a player who's taken advantage of the opportunity and has jumped right into the pro, pro game. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see him develop, see what he can do with that. Because Utrecht's got injuries, and that's that's why he was able to get the, the chance that he got. 
So there's no given he's going to keep playing, but it's a positive first step for him. And you can see Ruben's assist on uh, soccerbyivis.net on the Americans Abroad section video of it, so you can watch that. Uh, for the most part, it was very quiet for the Americans in, uh, in Europe this past week. A lot of guys didn't play, a lot of guys recovering from injury. But down in Mexico, a little more noise. Edgar Castillo, uh, he started, played the full uh, full game, played 90 minutes, and he drew the game-winning penalty kick in uh, Atlas's uh, 1-0 uh, victory over uh, Guadalajara on, on Saturday. So, I mean, Edgar Castillo, you know, guy, fringe player for the U.S. team. I mean, you know, for him, Ivis, you know, it's he's on the fringe. It's always good to see Edgar Castillo performing well. Well, he's bounced around enough in the, in, in the Mexican league, but he's settled in nicely, and his team is doing really well. His team's actually undefeated. Uh, one of the real surprises in, in the Apertura in, in Liga MX. And, uh, you know, as far as the national team goes, I don't know how much of a future he has uh, on that front. I mean, it's still it's still not as if there's a ton of left backs around. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, it's good to see an American yeah. doing well. I mean, I agree you. you never know. I mean, look, no, if anyone hey, no, told no, me. No, 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 no. You never know. I am no, trying to be optimistic. I, I, I know. No, he's not going to be. He can't. He's, he's not. It's not gonna happen. He could wake up one day. He could have a, you know, he he could, <laughs> he could go see a, uh, you know, like like a, I don't know, so, you know, I, I don't know, I can't even think of the word right now. But you know, he could wake up one day and turn into this boss defender. You never know, Ivis. Well, he's twenty seven, and you he's gonna be twenty eight in October. He'll be thirty one at the next World Cup. He's, it's not really. I mean, I think there's other left back prospects that are pretty, pretty intriguing. I mean, Greg Garza, the guy who's replaced him at Club Tijuana. He, I like him a lot. I think he, I think he'll end up being a better left back than Edgar Castillo, even. So. Uh, there's a name for you to. Oh, keep no, I on. agree. Greg Garz is a very good player. I'm trying to be optimistic about Edgar Castillo here. Uh, and uh, Joe Corona, uh, he he started and uh, picked up an assist as uh, Club Tijuana recorded their first victory of uh, of the Apertura this past weekend. Ivis, very good to see Joe uh, picking up an assist. Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy who, as I said, you know, he he came very close to making the World Cup team. He was in that in that conversation, and he's still. A player who I think can develop and be a factor for the U.S. national team. He's still young, uh, and I think definitely when you want to talk about the Gold Cup next year, I think he's got to be in the conversation, especially if he can, uh, you know, maintain a starting role. I mean, he's only 24 years old, so you want to talk about a guy who, you know, he was 20, he turned 24 last month, so we're talking about a guy who will be 27 uh, four years from now. So for next year, when you want to talk about the Gold Cup, he's someone who has to be in that conversation if he keeps playing well, and it's interesting to see how. You know, Club Tijuana with all the Americans they had. They only, he was the only American to start for them uh, this time around. Greg Garza was sidelined by a broken nose. Uh, but there's still a ton of younger guys, obviously, uh, on that Tijuana team. And now it's time to talk a little international soccer. Yes, we said it. First weekend, first week was Premier League this past weekend. Uh, we had some very good games. Arsenal uh, able to defeat Crystal Palace at the very last second. That was a very exciting game. If you missed that one, you missed Arsenal. Just sneak out. I mean, just pound Crystal Palace in the last five minutes of the game, get a goal. Uh, Man City all over Newcastle 2-0. Manchester United, I know we joked about it. They lost to uh, to Swansea in the, uh, in the opening game, and everyone's already calling for uh, for Luis van Gaal's head. It's crazy that's kind of happening. But I was uh, kind of just your thoughts overall on, on the first weekend of Premier League action. Well, as we as we mentioned earlier, the week one of the Premier League season always turns into either panic mode mm-hmm. or uh, talk of championships, and and obviously you can't take anything too seriously when, on that front. I mean, obviously, you know if your team plays well, you're going to feel good about it. And if your team loses, like Manchester United, uh, you're going to be a little uneasy. But it's still early, and and what's interesting is the the, the transfer window is is still a couple of weeks away. You're going to see a lot of teams still make moves. Manchester United. 
uh, appears ready to spend a lot of money before the window closes. Liverpool still trying to make some moves. Uh, even Arsenal is also in, in the conversation to try to make some moves. So a lot of these teams that, that are in that in that seven team pack of, mm-hmm. of slash title contenders slash European place contenders uh, could be making moves still. So it, it's tough to to really take this opening week and say, oh, this means that this is how the season's going to break out. The positives, I think, if you're if you're a Liverpool fan or an Arsenal fan, the way your team's gutted out victories, I think, mm-hmm. is a positive uh, for you guys. Chelsea still plays on Monday, so we'll see how they do. Uh, but Manchester City, obviously, you, you know, you want to start off you know, on a positive note, and, and they're going to be there. They're strong. They they have so much talent; it's crazy. Uh, but I think it's over the course of the season is when we're really going to get a sense of of, of where they stand because I think they're done making moves right i mean i I think they've already stacked their roster as much as they can so uh i'm interested i'm interested to see how city comes along because i said the last show that i don't think pellegrini is going to be able to keep everybody happy there yeah i mean city could field a second team that would finish you know at least at least mid-table if if they really wanted to oh no no no, no doubt about it i will say this i i I, we did a poll on sbi asking people who who they picked to win the league and obviously as a staff, the staff, uh, the SBI editorial staff voted uh, pick Chelsea, and it was pretty much unanimous. I was pretty surprised that it was unanimous. I picked Chelsea. I picked Chelsea to win. Um, but then we did a vote, uh, asked readers to vote, and and Arsenal was the winner. Now that's right. Vote, that's because they're vote. listening to me. People know. Well that's, well, that's because there's more Arsenal fans. I know. And, I know. I know. And and there's a lot of Arsenal fans. I tell you what, man, they're 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 going to be interesting. They're, if, they're... if Arsenal can stay healthy, that's that's the thing, though. They right. Need well, to they, stay have, they have. Well, that goes for anybody, right? I mean, I think they have more depth than they had last year, and there's still talk of them going after, you know, Sammy Kadira, you know, some other potential signings that that could happen before the window. If they can add a player like Kadira or, or a defensive midfielder uh, to give them that that kind of muscle in the middle, then then absolutely, I like them as a champion. And even their talk of forwards as well, like they, Edinson Cavani's been linked. So if Arsenal makes a big signing. They're already a, they're, for me. They're already a team I see finishing second. But if they add another player, mm-hmm. a high level, big ticket player, then then absolutely they can challenge Chelsea. I think for the title. I, I still thought this past week it was pretty good for Liverpool. I mean, you know, Sturridge obviously leave, you know starts you know picks up where he left off last last season. You know, at twenty one goals in the uh, in the Premier League. Uh, but I mean, it's good to see Raheem Sterling, Ivis, you know, get a goal in his, his. You know, obviously he had a couple goals last year for Liverpool, but get that goal. You know, obviously the biggest question this year is going to be who's going to be scoring for Liverpool. But I mean, Raheem Sterling, man, 19 years old. I mean, he had a good year last year. I mean, maybe he could kind of pick up where Suarez left off. Not that many goals, but there, there's a, some goals for them. There's already rumblings of Real Madrid being interested in Sterling. <laughs> is, you know, they, they buy everybody. But, you know, I, I don't know what you can make of the Liverpool, uh, their, their opening victory, considering they beat the team that they fleeced their, the, the, the roster of. It's like there's nobody left to play. Like, you, you should win that first game, right? But, uh, no, you know, all jokes aside, uh, Liverpool, I, I probably – should give should have given them a little more respect in the preseason. I think uh, they're going to be a top four team. Just looking at it, I think it's tough considering the quality that they've they've been able to add in the transfer market. But there's still that question: who's going to replace the, the production of Luis Suarez? And that that's what keeps that that's what keeps me from having them be a serious mm-hmm. title contender. I no, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, just having him on the field, you know, other teams got to pay attention to. Just so dangerous, and you know, or not even when he's touching the ball. That's what makes a you know a good player a good player is when he doesn't even have the ball and he still impacts the game. And that's what Suarez was able to do. So I don't know. I think Liverpool will be fine though. 
they'll be fine in the top four. But I don't know the title title race. I think I think it's a, I think Chelsea man. We'll, we'll see on Monday how they look. But I think the additions of Costa and Fabregas, and if and if they can go add another defender, mm. I mean they're they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be tough to stop, man. And before we close out the show, we got a SBI Q&A. Remember, everyone, you can send your questions, submit your questions in on Twitter using hashtag AskTheSBIShow. First question comes from Javier Zavaleta. So is McMath still leaving Philly? If so, does he make a big move to NYCFC so he can show off his massive skills? <laughs> well, I think it's based on what I've heard. I, I just, every sense I get is he's gone from Philly at the end of the year. Um, who trades for him? That's going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't really know where he goes. Uh, I, I know NYCFC already acquired the rights to Josh Saunders. I don't know if they necessarily see him as as their guy uh, next year. But I, the way I, I, I'll put it to you like this, I see Zach McMath starting in goal for somebody in MLS at the start of the 2015 season. Next question comes from Tyler at ECU. Remember, Tyler was the guy that we, we hung out with here in Phoenix. So, Tyler, get hey, oh, him, hey, hey, good, hey, congrats on finally getting an avatar, by the way. Yeah, so. he did get a picture, and a picture of him at, uh, at Arsenal. And knowing Tyler, he's one of those kids that, like, I think he was telling me, like, travels with, like, $5 in his pocket. So I would love to hear how he got to England, but that's not for another time. Balling. He's balling. Yeah. Uh, he asks, with the NCAA soccer season starting soon, who are some of the exciting prospects aside from Christian Roldan? Uh, well, I am not going to give names yet. But I will say that I spent this. I started to do the deep diving. I did the deep dive digging. Uh, started this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, preparing our our annual uh, rankings. With, as we do, you know, we're, we're going to have all our college preview stuff. Uh, and I and I personally uh, will also be having my uh, draft prospect rankings coming out pretty soon. Uh, one thing I'll say is, you know, as far as star power guys like Generation Adidas. Instant impact guys are there a ton? No, I don't think there's a ton. I think that is getting less and less. Uh, but I do think in terms of depth, uh, depth in the draft of guys who can make teams and who can play minutes, I think this draft's gonna be pretty solid. I, I actually see the center back pool being pretty pretty uh, good, and I think actually the forwards. I think there, there's some interesting forwards, forward options. But uh, I won't give you any any more. I mean, obviously, if you want to just give you a couple names. Uh, Kyle Laren at, at UConn, uh, he, he's, so, he's going to be a sophomore. Uh, I think he's got to be at, at the top of the list, Generation Adidas. You also have Leo Stolls, the UCLA midfielder, who's actually going to be a senior. He's actually German, uh, Pac-10 Player of the Year, really good player who I think is also on that short list. And, th- and then you have someone like Jay Chapman at Michigan State, who is a junior, and uh, so I'm not sure if he has to be a Generation Adidas guy or not. He's also another Canadian mind you but those are just some of the names there's quite a few guys uh jacory hayes i could go on and on don't get me started i'll just start rattling off names i will say uh two weeks from now we'll start dropping our stuff the college season's right around the corner actually mm-hmm. college season starts in about two weeks so it, it's coming tyler trust me we, we will have it and we're gonna have definitely we're gonna kick up the coverage of the college scene i know last year we, we slacked a bit uh but with the increased numbers we're adding to the sbi staff I think we'll be able to, to, to have more coverage of the college game. Uh, Casey Miller asks, uh, any chance Rubio, Rubin, or Joe uh, Jow will get called into the Czech Republic friendly? Uh, that's a tough one, you know. I think it's still – those guys are still young. Uh, and, you know, you, they had the, yeah. Jow I could see more than Rubin. I think if you're – I think if you're Klinsman, you want to let a guy like Rubin kind of settle in. 
uh, with his team. Uh, because let's face it, he just turned pro. He just turned pro. He's 18. There's no need to, to, to bring him in. Could he come in? Absolutely, he could come in. But, you know, I, I could also see Klinsman saying, you know what, there will be plenty of time to take a look at him down the road. Next question, uh, actually, final question comes from Tom G. Can you think of another 18-year-old American going 90 for an oper- opener for a side on the level of FC Utrecht, Beasley, or Landon Donovan, maybe? Uh, yeah, it's a tough. Well, no, Beasley was in MLS back then. So uh, on the level of Utrecht, I mean, what's I mean, FC Utrecht, let's face it, they're not like this powerhouse. Uh, they they were on the verge of relegation toward the end of last season before the uh, you know before they pulled it out at the end. Um, but uh, an eight, an American eighteen year old starting in the Eredivisie is that's pretty good. So I, I think uh, I don't think there's any denying that. Um, so I mean it's positive. But I don't know. I don't Beasley and Beasley obviously was in MLS, uh, and Donovan I don't think started that that young. So neither of them. I got to think about it. Maybe uh, maybe Claudio Reyna. Claudio Reyna. Oh no, you know what? Claudio Reyna was in college, so he actually started his European career later. So that, that's a good one. I don't, I don't know if we've had that that situation before. Josie Altador is a 19 year old. I think I, I remember him playing uh, in a game for Villarreal, like the one game he played and scored in. I forget what that was. So that's a tough. That it's not a long list. If there are any, it's not a long list. I'll put it to you like that, uh, Tom G. I'm trying to think of guys too now. Hmm. It's uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's not easy. I mean, maybe Jonathan Spector of Manchester United. Oh, uh, he, he wasn't. He wasn't that young, though. He wasn't. He wasn't that young. Though. Yeah, I mean, I'm. That's the only person I can think of on the top of my head right now. That's, tough, Ro- that's a good question. Giuseppe, hey, 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 Giuseppe Rossi. There you go. How about that? <laughs> And with that, yeah. some some people turn up the show or through the computer disgust. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, Ivis, that wraps up uh, today's SBI show. Uh, I think we covered all the bases. Well, we probably didn't cover all the bases, but anything else you need to talk about before I let you go? I got one for you. Jovan Karofsky, I think. Yeah, he wasn't 18, though. He was on the books at Man U, but he didn't, get, he didn't play for them. He was probably like 19 or 20 when he went to Dortmund. So that's it. Yeah, you know what? That's something to think about now. I got I to think about possible guys. John O'Brien, when did he make his debut? 18, man. It, 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 you got to remember, when, the further back you go, there just weren't Americans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going to Europe that, at that young an age. So uh, you're not going to have that. I mean, the guys, the guys who were the trailblazers in the early years, uh, you know, guys like John Harks and, and, and the goalkeepers, you know, like Keller and, and Friedel, I mean, all those guys put some years in in college. So that's a that's a good question, man. I, I, I gotta let's see. Let's look up John. Let's look up John O'Brien's uh, career here. When did he make his professional debut at Ajax? Uh, as he signed as a seventeen year old, then two years as a at the youth team. So at nineteen, uh, actually on loan. At, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, 1999. Ah, see, there you go. Uh, he made his debut for Ajax at 22, um, but he was 21 at, on loan at Utrecht. John O'Brien, funny enough. <laughs> there you go. But so, yeah, teen- a teenager uh, playing at a higher level club, that's that you, tough to find it, tough to find it. Not, not in a league is at the level of the Eredivisie, no. Yeah, I'm going to think. I'm going to have to look some of this stuff up. Because most just, of these guys, I mean, when you look at the, kind of the, like you said, the, the 
you know, the first kind of Americans to go. And most of these guys are 22, 23. You know, they wrapped up their college careers. It's Watch. If anyone knows in the comments, let us know in the comments. Someone will pull some, someone will, someone will find something, Ivis. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be some obscure. Wait, well, hey, you can always say Giuseppe Rossi because I'm pretty sure Giuseppe Rossi was playing at a high level at that age. Yeah. Details. Hey, he's American, man. Can't take it away from him. He's got a passport and everything. I'm just saying. I'm I, just I, saying. I, I know. I know. I, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying details. Uh, all right, Ivis. Anything else before before I let you go? I think that's it, man. I think uh, we wrap it up. We're not going to go as long as we did last show. I don't yeah. know if how people. I don't know how people felt about the super long record-setting hour forty-minute marathon show we did last time. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll start doing a three shows a week thing, uh, so we can kind of make them a little shorter. Uh, but let us know. But you know, let us know in the comment section uh, what you think. And uh, and also thank you for those if those of you who submitted reviews. Uh, slowly but surely, we're trying to uh, climb back up. Uh, you know, try to get closer to that five-star rating after having our ratings uh, averages butchered by a couple of uh, uh, bitter individuals. But you know what? Thanks to those of you who have given us good reviews. We appreciate it. Yes, we do appreciate it. On that note, Ivis, I, I will let you go. I know you have tons of uh, writing to do, which will keep you up till about 5 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. So uh, I'll let you go, bud. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> there you go. Anytime, anytime. Uh, as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. This is the SBS Show.